All right, so we're recording. We're live. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This whole sway with another episode with uh, my friend here, Anomi Castillo. She is a former member of the World Mission Society Church of God. And I'm so glad I have you here, Nomi, only because there's been a ravage of people who've been coming out um, of this cult. And uh, little by little, um, they're making their voices heard. They're making their voices known. People know who they are. And so people who are presently, currently members, they are almost asking questions, right? Because people know who Nomi is. People know about the other past um, former members who've also came to my show and also share their stories. And so it's been a light. Uh, it's been um, hopeful for those. So Nomi, again, uh, thanks a lot for coming in here. And um, I'm glad. No problem. Yeah, I'm glad to help and so spread awareness. All right, cool. So, hey, give us the whole breakdown. Give us the whole story. So, um, where you're from and, and how you come to, to know about the WMSCOG and, and um, you know, when you left, how did I go about? So, I'm from New York, and the way that I was approached to by this organization was I was walking from work one day. So, I was walking down Wall Street in the middle of Manhattan, and then there was these two females, they were down an alleyway. And they came like rushing towards me. Yeah. And when they rushed towards me, they were like, we're having a seminar event right here. It's about the Bible. Would you want to come? And at the time I was dressed like I was dirty from work. And I was like, oh, no, you guys are dressed so nice. <laughs> oh, I can't man. come with you because of that. So then they I was like, and my ferry boat is in five minutes. So it was down from the Staten Island Ferry because I live in Staten Island. Hmm. So I was like, you know, I needed to get my ferry in five minutes. So they were like, oh, no, no problem, we'll walk with you. So they started to walk with me. And when they were walking with me, they were trying to get out as much, like, preaching as possible. Like, they were, like, you know, throwing, oh, God, the mother. And then I was like, I can't really hear what you're saying. All I hear mm -hmm. is, like, Bible, because we're in a rush. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, thank you. Um, here's my phone number. I just threw my phone over at them. I was like, please text me what you were trying to say to me, because I didn't really catch anything. And I just went. I took my ferry. And then, like, the next day, I was texted by the member. One of the one of the females who approached me yeah and she pretty much invited me and i gave her like an excuse for about two weeks because i was weary about going with strangers so i was like uh, my mom <laughs> told me not to go with strangers yeah and so i spoke to this with my coworkers. I was like my coworkers told me not to go with strangers so then i finally agreed like maybe a public place it's safe so i thought i was playing it safe so i was like she was like okay meet me at this cafe yeah so at that time, I was like, I texted the address that I was going to about three different people. And I thought like, you know, this is safe. And I'm gonna go to this cafe. <laughs> <laughs> Starbucks? No, it wasn't a Starbucks. It was a, a Flavors. That was the name of the cafe. I don't know, probably. I'm, I'm sure New York has like 20,000 different coffee shops. <laughs> yeah. So the reason why she picked that one, I learned later, is because the church was like right upstairs in an office location. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Okay, so this is not the first time I've, I've heard this before, but yeah. it's clever. Yeah, so I met up with her for the Bible study. She wasn't my teacher, so we actually had to wait so a teacher comes. So I guess because she was Wait, why do, you, wait why, why do you need a teacher for? <laughs> there's, there's those members who are like new and not really... They're not really trained in how to teach others. And then there's members who they receive training on how to teach. So I guess like she was pretty like new or not like 
study a lot. So she was like, I'm not going to teach you myself, but I'm going to have a teacher come. So then she showed me videos for like the first 10 minutes. So, so in other words, you have the real brainwashed and then you have those, it's like a leaky faucet. It's they're almost brainwashed. She's not fully there yet. Yeah. Like they're not good at explaining it to others, but they accept it for themselves. Okay. And then there's those who are trained how to explain it to others. Mm. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So like if you're good at like, if you accept it for yourself, but you don't not good at explaining it to others, you're good for street preaching, but not really for teaching. Okay. But when you're preaching, aren't you essentially teaching? Yeah. But you're, you have like a little more wiggle room to make a mistake because like when you put inside of a, like a real teacher and then they're like, you know, she knows more. I've been here longer. You know, she's been less time. Yeah, so. but then, okay, so when you were sitting in a coffee shop waiting for a teacher to arrive, were they at least trying to teach you something? Um, well, she showed, showed me videos. She went through like the intro video of the church mm -hmm. and like she showed me like a video which explained like all the big buildings in Korea because at yeah. first, like, you know, the churches in, you know, the other areas that are not in Korea, they're not as big for the most part. So it's so a fact that you know, it was an office. I didn't know that it was right upstairs because I saw these this video with like big churches, like yeah. giant, huge churches. So don't show you the uh, the small ones. Show you the massive churches, right? Kind of like uh, yeah, uh, make you feel like it's a lot more legit. Yeah, like you're like, oh wow, this is so established. Like the fact, like their their one church in Korea looks like an office building for like Google. Like it looks as huge as that. Like it's like uh -huh. ten floors. <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm I'm not i'm I'm not in that boat i mean I, I look at an office and i'm already like walking out like yeah i'm not trying to be here unless you're doing my taxes um so i i wanted to ask you a question before i think it had to do with um i think they approached you and um you gave them your phone number that's not a common thing uh typically people tend to walk away and not give your phone number what brought that interest that you wanted to hear what they were saying. Were you currently at a church or you were just not affiliated with any faith at all? Um, no, I didn't currently have a church, but I, I guess I felt trusting because you know, it, it was like Bible. So just like, you know, I'm okay. always, I was always looking for somebody to Bible study with me. Like as a kid, like my mom didn't really let me go to churches, but she let like Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house to teach me because they would come. I was open to anybody who would give me a Bible study pretty much. That makes sense. So. So I was like, here's my number. Plus, I wasn't really private with my number. I gave it to anybody, <laughs> even to the <Ooh>. day. <laughs> <laughs> so did they, um, did they, like, hassle you? Did they keep texting you, kept calling you? That's usually what previous people have told me, that they tend to harass you often with text messages. Um, yeah, it was really friendly, and it was on, like, a daily basis. It was like, good morning, and then, like, a little emojis. And then, like, I kind of learned what bitmojis was from them because they kind of, like, text you bitmojis of them, like, mm -hmm. themselves. So they kind of make it seem like very friendly, like they're trying to be your friend. Like, yeah. Oh gosh. They don't even put LOL. They just put like a, you know, a, a emoji with a smile, you know, laughing. Okay. Um, I know you're at this cafe and you're, you're before you're sitting with a teacher, but I wanted to make sure I ask you this question. Did you have any understanding biblically about, you know, Christianity or were you like the typical American Christian who, you know, you well, didn't know a bunch? The most that I had, like, with the actual Bible, because the Jehovah's Witnesses teach you out of a workbook, a kid's workbook, for them, I was a kid, um, was just, like, Catholic services. Like, my sister, my older sister, would just take me to occasional services in the Catholic church, and we'll sit there. But even so, they don't go much into the Bible either. 
So yeah, I know you guys really have like the um the Eucharist sacraments, right? Yeah, they have like different color books in back of the pupils, like in the back of the the, the seats. Yeah. So yeah, it's not really like Bible based in the Catholic Church either. So I didn't really have like, like any good foundation in the Bible. Okay. So, so tell me about it. So you, you're waiting for this teacher. He finally arrives and what's up? Well, it was a girl. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. I forgot. They only uh, <laughs> address you based off your sex. Yeah. So she came in and she taught me, you know, they keep it plain Sabbath day. And then she taught me, I think it was Jerusalem mother. Like she brought up mother right then and there. Cause mm-hmm. And then she taught me those two studies. And then I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's interesting. Like I didn't really like, you know, feel mesmerized, but I just like, okay, mm-hmm. you know? And then they were like, oh, you know, the church is upstairs. If you, after that, if you want to come up and meet everybody. So then, then I did that. Yeah. We went upstairs. How did it make you feel when you realized that, you know, the church is upstairs and you were just downstairs and they're the one that chose the location? I mean, I didn't really think much into it. Cause I was like, <laughs> Because also the place where they approached me was right in front of that same cafe too, like when I was walking. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it was like, okay, it's on my mm-hmm. way home. So I guess that, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so what's up after that? So then after that, I went upstairs and I met everybody. And pretty much like, I just like, there wasn't a lot of people because it's like pretty empty. A lot of people were out. Mm-hmm. But it was just like the missionary was there. And the deaconess was there and they were like, she's in the kitchen cooking and then he's in the office and then they're like, peek out the office, hi. And then there was just like a few members like scattered throughout, like in the office area and they were like, hey. And then they were just like, yeah, this is where we study and stuff. And they showed me like the study rooms. They gave me a mini tour. And then after that, they were like, oh, because I I told them that my mom was worried about me coming. So they were like, oh, you know, you don't want to be here so long. So, you know, go out and I was, I'll come back tomorrow. They're like, when's the next time you can come back? And I was like, I'll come back tomorrow to study. So oh, wow. pretty much that's okay. how I went. Okay. And, and how much long, how much after um, studying with them uh, did you get baptized? Um, well, when I went, it was the requirement of to do at least five studies before you're baptized. So I had to do, like, I, I asked about it after the first day because they told me, I didn't have much questions for them. So they told me to write down questions and come back. And one of my questions was like, what is the requirement to be baptized? Okay. And then they were like, oh, you know, at the moment, we just like want you to understand fully at least five subjects. And then that's when you're baptized, you know, because like it was a big turnover for those who got baptized without knowing much. So then they, you know. They wanted to make sure that the ones who were getting baptized going forward at that time kind of knew more of what they were getting themselves into. But I learned like about like 10 subjects before I got baptized. Cause like the more I learned, the more I became hesitant to become baptized. Like after the first day, I was like, mm-hmm. how can I become baptized? And then after I was learning more, I was like, uh, and then they gave me the subject, like be baptized immediately. And then <laughs> after that, after that, cause they were like, oh, you know, she's kind of becoming hesitant with being baptized. Cause you know, after every time you come into study, they ask you like, know baptism and you're like oh <laughs> so after that study then I got baptized that day and it was actually like it was two weeks later from when I started to go and I was studying like sort of on a daily basis where like from my work schedules like matching my work schedule since I was on my way home okay so um this is just a thought um I think I, I find this I find this call to be um I guess um they're very wise, I guess they're, uh, because what they, what they do is they make sure they can cover all the holes before they, they bring you in, right? So they don't meet with you 
and they talk about uh, Jesus and grace and his love and redemption and, and how he redeems you uh, from a sinful world, what they do immediately is they are trying to show you and prove to you how they're different. Mm-hmm. And so that's the beginning process of a you and we kind of battle, right? So now immediately you feel like you're part of a, of a frat and, and this frat is against the world because the world is against this frat. And so now you're like, whoa, like I'm different because I, I do the Sabbath. Like, okay, whoa, I'm different because I keep the, the feast and, and I keep the Passover and you meet your friends who are probably not keeping the Passover and now you almost feel a bit elevated towards them. And not, not might be the case for you, but from those who I've, I've spoken to before, you're slowly and gradually kind of elevating yourself based off all the work you've done. And then you, you see a friend who probably goes to a Christian church and, and what they say is, I, I place my faith in Christ and, and that right there is enough. And you're like, no, it's not because like you obviously haven't kept the ceremonial laws. You haven't kept the Passover. You haven't kept the 11 feasts. You haven't kept the resurrection. You haven't kept this. You kept that. And what, you, what you're doing is saying, believing in Christ and Christ alone is not enough. I've done some work to myself. Yeah. And so I see that to be horrible, horrendous, ugly, and gross because they're saying that Christ alone isn't enough. It's Christ plus works equals salvation. But then let me ask you a question. With all the work you've done, did you ever feel secure? Like if you were to miss a Sunday, you know, you'll still be in heaven. Oh, like miss a Sabbath day, you mean? Yeah, sorry, Saturday. No. <laughs> you never really feel secure because you, you always feel like you have to be perfect and do everything. And then after a while, it would put a strain on you it would be draining after a while but you never ever feel secure like they say like other christians who say that they they are arrogant like for saying like because when you go out preaching they would mm-hmm. say like you reach people who be like oh no i don't need to hear this message i'm already saved you know go speak to somebody else who's not saved like they'll tell you and then you'll be like you're not saved <laughs> you don't do this and that i don't even say myself is saved so like i'm sure they uh, cults do this they, they tend to try to replace um everything that most people believe with their own theology and their own twist. So the criminal on the cross, he died on the cross. Before he did, he spoke to Christ and said, um, Lord, remember me in heaven. And he said, you are not with me in paradise. I'm just asking you, right? So when Jesus says that, is Jesus not giving an affirmative? Is he not giving a certainty or was Jesus, or did we get it wrong? Was Jesus being ambivalent? Was it, like, confusing? No, like, what they would say is that, like, you know, that the um, criminal on the cross, like, the robber on the cross, he has an exception because God told him to his face that he was going to paradise even without doing anything. And they would say, like, you know, but God didn't tell you to your face that you're going to be saved. God told you to keep the Sabbath day, the Passover, the, everything that's written in the Bible. So that's, yeah. that's for you. So you couldn't be saved just like that robber because God is not here to tell you that you're so, going to be saved. So my response to that, and I think many others would be, um, God says he has no favorites, right? In James, he has no favorites, also in Romans. So how would they respond to James who says, no, um, he was not an exception because God has no favorites? I mean, 
I mean, we never really thought about it like that because they didn't explain it like, oh, the robber was his favorite. They just explained it like the robber had no choice. The robber couldn't get off the cross and go keep the Passover if he wanted to. So God had mercy on him because he had no choice. Like they didn't really say like, oh, you know, the robber's his favorite. Well, I mean, I think that favorite is sort of a, you know, kind of a similar word to exception, right? Um, yeah. I'll make an, like, whenever you, whenever you, you make that um, statement, I'll make an exception. That means you're setting someone apart from doing something that they had to do, right? Like, I'll make an exception. You won't have to really work. I'll just pay you this week and you can come in next week and then you have to work next week. In another sense, you just made, um, you, you just made an exception, but you just, consider them to be a favorite in a sense you, you've given them leeway where no one else would ever receive that leeway so i think that's for me will be a, a contradiction um i think i believe scripture says there is no favorite um there is no uh, greek or jew everyone is wanting christ um so talk to me about your position in the church and how was how was that experience well, I was just a regular member, which, you know, would most regular members, if you're faithful and, and there all the time, investing all your time, then you get like the, the title of gospel worker, which they say, like, you know, that's like the highest title because those are, those are the ones who actually do the work on the street where like a, a missionary or pastor would just stay at the church mm-hmm. and then not preach as much. So they'd be like, oh, you know, it's, it's prestigious to be a gospel worker, you know? They so have lot, they have a lot of labels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they want to make you feel like very righteous like, needed and important. Like, Oh yeah, I'm a gospel worker. I'm so important. It's what I'm, oh, I'm, every day. I'm so better than you. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. So like the requirements of being a gospel worker was just that you develop, like you devote all your time there. Like you're preaching any given chance, whether like if you had availability, it'll be seven days a week. And if, if you were available three days a week, as, as, as long as you're doing as much as you possibly can and you had nothing else to do, then you're out preaching all the time. Even whether you're tired, like tired is not an excuse, or whether you, you feel like, you know, I'm just going to take a break today. It's, it's not possible. Are leaderships like, held to the same, um, I guess, level of work? I mean, they say that they want to preach as much as they can if they weren't like wrapped up in other stuff. So like occasionally like they would join in for a preaching assembly and then they would be like, oh, thanks to God, me, I get to go out. But they would present themselves as a regular brother or sister. Like when they go out, they'll like put on a, a backpack and like a preaching shirt, like they'll change out of the, the button up mm. and everything. And then they'll say like, oh, you know, I'm just like, if, and if you're preaching with them as your partner, you'll say like, oh, this is my brother. You wouldn't say like, this is my missionary pastor to not put them like on the spot, like while you're preaching. Oh, wow. So that's, that's pretty deceptive, right? I think. Yeah. It's, it's like, why wouldn't you just come as you are? Yeah. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't tell outsiders who your missionary or pastor or your overseer is. You would just try to blend it in as if mm. they were just a regular, just like so you. So the church permits lying then? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they say like, oh, we're not lying because it is true that he's a brother. Like for the same thing that they say like when you go out preaching to like college campuses and you say like I'm a student from Elohim Academy like they say it's not lying because we do like have sermon books like where we learn from and it says Elohim Academy at the top Mm -hmm. they're like it's not a lie it's (laughs) not a lie it's just not the truth yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so weak, but the things they say, it's, it's just, why can't you just come as you are? What's the yeah. point? It's really weird. Like everything, everything is done in secret. At least Mormons approach you with like the elder name tag. They're not hiding yeah. who they are. At one point they were saying that, that we should probably like develop name tags, but they were, I think they were saying as a joke, but they did it in a meeting, like a, like an East coast meeting. Like everybody was on the zoom conference and they mm -hmm. were like, we're going to have name tags, like just like the Mormons. <laughs> so is, is each of these churches, are they all unified in, in their teaching or does one, does one camp or uh, do they teach different things, but similar things like, um, I spoke to uh, one, one gentleman who, who told me his church was not like the rest of the churches. They were actually really nice people. They were not deceptive. Um, and for me, as I was listening to him, I always felt like he probably didn't seem like he was very um, involved in the church. Or from your own, from your own experience of, of, of being in this, in this cult, have you been to so many of them where you're like, no, they all teach the same thing. They all have the same method, they all lie, they all deceive, they exhaust you of your energy. Yeah, being that I was involved in New York first and then I moved down to Florida, it was the same exact thing. Plus, because okay. we were under the same pastor. So the way that the church system works is that everybody, you know, the East Coast is under one leadership and then the Midwest is under one leadership and the, each one, each area has a pastor. And But each pastor reports to Korea and each pastor reports to Zangjilja and General Pastor and General Assembly. Have you met so, these people? A General Pastor? Yeah, he came down to, he comes and does like church tours. Like, I, like he'll come, like he'll <laughs> visit each organization. So when I was down in Florida, um, one day we drove to Georgia because General Pastor was coming in town mm -hmm. and he came and met everybody from the Southeast Association. So like at that time, we branched off from no longer being part of New York we were now a part of Georgia. Georgia was our main organization. So we had a main pastor now in Georgia because the, the churches were developing more. So they, it was too much on the pastor from New York. So now they opened up, you know, pastor from Georgia gets promoted and now he gets to take care of all the churches under him. Okay. But in all, the whole thing, it's all tied back to everybody reports to Korea and General Assembly. Okay, so um, how does any of that benefit Korea? How does any, any of the reporting back to Korea benefit them? Yes. I don't know. They just, they have a lot of information about all the different associations, all the different members. They have profiles. Like they, each member was set up as a profile. Like in your profile, they have you like go on a Korean website and edit it, put in your occupation, put in like your talents. Like if you, you know, was a why singer. Does, why, does, why does any of that even matter? Because the church wants to put it to use. Like, let's say if your occupation is a plumber, you can then do plumbing for the church and get it as a blessing. Like you aren't paid for it. You're but not paid. You're not paid. You get, you get free labor for just the fact that you're getting a blessing. Even one time um, when I was in Florida, a member, he was a lawyer and he came down and he was so happy because he's like, oh, you know, I just did this lawsuit for the church and because of that, I'm getting to go see mother. So his payment was pretty much getting to go see Zhang Zilja in Korea does, for, um, for being a lawyer. Does this lady, Mother God, uh, seems like the general, um, general pastor, right? Um, 
he travels, he goes from coast to coast, he sees different um, churches. Does, does Mother God ever visit anyone or? No, they said only in the United States she visited once when the very first church was established in Los Angeles. She okay. came to that very first church and established because they said that, you know, that she would come and open the way first. So when it came to opening in a new country, she had to be the first one to come and open the way. Okay, that just sounds like complete smoke to me. Yeah. Um, I think someone of her caliber, right, um, should come to the States. But I think what would happen is she would probably be exposed, right? Yeah. Um, I think someone like Billy Graham's traveled all over the world. He's not. Okay, so, so Billy Graham is a, a Christian crusader, pastor. He's been all over the world. He preached the gospel. If you go online, you can check him out. I can probably share you a few of his links. Um, this guy has traveled the world, I don't know, probably more times than, than my age, right? So I'm 27. He's probably traveled the world more times than 27 times. And he's not considered mother or father God. And he's done a lot more outreaching than, than most evangelists, right? He's one of the top evangelists. And I would say as far as Christian history, apart from the apostles and whatnot, he's done so much. But what you're saying is Mother God is so highly exalted that she could barely go to, she, could, she came and come to Connecticut where I live. She no, came, she, she came and come to the United States. And the only time she, say, she came here was several would, years ago. They would say like, oh, poor mother, she has so much, you know, she can't even travel if she wanted to do because she has so much work. So that's what they'll say. Like, <laughs> I mean, if she's mother guy, is she able to snap these works to be done? Like, I don't understand. If I was part of, of this and I've asked these questions, I'd lose my mind. It's almost, I'm almost forced to, to commit intellectual suicide to, yeah. to this, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just... Every time I hear a story about someone talking about Mother God and how she's incapable of, of physically getting up and going away, what's going to happen when Mother God, Mother God dies? What's going to happen to her? What's going to happen to the entire, you know, Church of God community? I actually, like, when I was a member there, I actually thought about that a lot. I was like, you know, like, would it be like, you know, they will have like, oh, you know, she's born again, like, in a new person, and then, you know... Like, this is mother now, you know, because it actually started to get weird towards the end. Like there was, there would be less trips to Korea, like less people would be able to go see her. And then they would say like, oh, you know, because maybe your faith would be shaken when you go over there and you see people picketing against mother. Would you be able to hold your faith in that situation? Because there's a lot of people protesting over there against her. Mm -hmm. So that's what they would say. Like there's less and less trips over there. So like a lot of people started becoming impatient because before, you know, in the church early days, newbies would be in a church two or three months and they're able to go to Korea. Where nowadays, oh, wow. you know, members are waiting years and years and they will say like, oh, you know, the reason why you can't go over there is because of this and that and this and that. And you're like, are you hiding her? Like, <laughs> is there something going wow. on with her that it needs to be hidden and concealed? I mean, if you're God, you're God, right? I mean, I'm not sure yeah. what you have to... I'm not sure what we probably wouldn't know about you, right? Because if you're God, everyone knows who you are. Everyone should know right um you said something earlier um you know post um interview that i wanted you to share talk to talk to me or everyone who's listening about social media instagram facebook youtube 
how does the World Mission Society Church of God handle these people who are um, clearly speaking um, against the church? So for a long time, we weren't able to go on the internet. Like we were being in trouble. They would say like, even if you post a picture with you and your fellow like sisters, like mm-hmm. you, w- you would be kicked out. So it was very strict on like not going online. But then after, you know, it started to be very much streamed about sex trafficking online. And then it was kind of weird how the church like found out about it because if we're not online, they're not supposed to be online either. Right. But obviously they were having someone monitor online. And as you saw, like, you know, of course, because, you know, when a YouTuber came, they were suing them. But when the sex trafficking, like, rumor hit, it hit really big, more bigger than they could even control. They couldn't send out a thousand, a million lawsuits. So they actually told us as members that we shouldn't sit back and watch somebody speak about our parents and think like, oh, you know, it sounds so good what they're saying. So they sent us to recreate our, you know, our online accounts like, oh, you guys, you guys can go online again. But now you must like go online and, you know, if you see something, report it. If you see somebody you know um, posting about this or sharing about something, speaking against us, mm-hmm. you should give them a call and like, you know, correct them, but only do it to people you know. Other than that, you know, if you don't know the people talking against us, then you should just, you know, report it and not even like give it a look. So at that moment, it kind of like opened the way to like all the members going online and they start to write comments under things that they're not mm-hmm. even watching. You know, like they'll start to like, that's like when you watch the comments, the comments will have nothing to do with the context of the video, but they will just be spewing out random comments and then reporting your videos. Was that something that you had to do? Yeah. So it was something that I actually like enjoyed doing like after. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think you're, you're, you're responsible for all the comments I got, right? I mean, I, mean I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't brave enough to comment, but I would just like after church, even though like instead of going to like bed, or I would just like go online and then just like start reporting stuff. Like, so was that a way of worshiping, worshiping God? Do you feel like you're doing the will of God by doing that? Yeah, they made it seem like they were like, oh my gosh, they can't speak against your parents. Like if somebody spoke against your mom and dad, like your physical mom and dad, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be like, oh, you know, good job. You would actually do something about it. So then they made it seem like, you know, they let's do to- something about somebody talking about our, our spiritual parents. They seem to use a lot of um, human illustrations, right? There's always, I, I never heard so much analogies until I went there. Like now, now I find it a part of my like vocabulary to when I'm trying to explain something to somebody and try to like use an analogy, like, you know, in the case of this, then. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the case of this, it's, and then all of a sudden my analogy fails and I look dumb. And it's like, in the problem, yeah. again, I, I mentioned this before in previous videos, um, is that, analogies only work so far and then it breaks right and so when they say well you we know we have heavenly father and then we have heavenly mother because we have a mom and we have a dad and where they fail is that heavenly father is is father by title and authority father doesn't have uh chromosomes so you you fail in that aspect Number one. Number two, to say that a heavenly father needs a heavenly mother to give life to a woman is to say that Father God is limited, right? Yeah. And we know that God, by nature, is not limited. We're limited. He's infinite. And so they fall into these fallacies over fallacies, but um, they don't seem to really want to engage in conversation, especially when it's over Instagram. 
their last um, response are usually, well, how about you communicate with the local church that's near you and they can give you the right answers. And so, well, we're, we're trained like when we're there to not say anything much about preaching, like over text or over, you know, we're mm -hmm. not, we're not supposed to, because then I guess like the person would, you know, take it and be able to like, you know, dissect it more deeply. That makes sense. Yeah, like, like when I first went, like the, I told the sister who preached to me, like, I didn't understand anything you were saying. Can you text it to me? And she was just like, oh, you know, it's just a Bible study. <laughs> like she just kept it like that. <laughs> and then she didn't explain it until we were in person, but she would never explain it over text. But I learned it later, like when I was going out preaching and preaching to people that mm -hmm. you should not, like if they say they, they don't believe in it, like you can't correct them over text. You can't go and preach them, preach to them a paragraph. Like you're not right. allowed to. So, um, you, you recently got out, right? Yeah, I recently left. Okay. Um, and since you were told to go into social media and pretty much report um, people who were going against the church, are you familiar with, uh, with the channels on YouTube who go against the church, like you know, Great Light Studios, XWMSEOG, that one black dude, um, funny guy. Um, do, do these names ring a bell or you, you don't really remember them? Well, I started to now watch them recently, like within like the, this month pretty much. Cause before I, I still had like the fear engraved in me. Like I can't, oh, yeah. I can't go watch it. You know, mm -hmm. like even the fact like, you know, your page for one instant, it had a cross on it and I was like, Ooh, I'm not going to that page. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's, yeah. it's blue and it's calming, right? I know, but it was just like, it was a trigger for me for a very long time. Like the fear of okay. not wanting to go to it, but I finally got over that. Like, you know, by just doing it. I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Okay. All right, cool. Um, when, when you were in this, in, in this church, um, how did it affect your family? Um, so I went into the church and then, you know, I was in my honeymoon stage. So I was just doing like a lot of activities with the church. Mm -hmm. And so when my mom saw me like that, I was occupied, like she was like, oh my gosh, you're going out, you know, like to the city with the sisters and we go to Koreatown and we like check it out and eat food and stuff like that. So she was very intrigued to come, so which she did. <laughs> and she was baptized. My mom was baptized about three months after me. Yeah. And, but she wasn't faithful to like going because, you know, yeah. she grew up Catholic. So she was like, you know, you don't need to go to church all the time. So she kind of held that. And then about a year after me, my little sister came in. Yeah. And so she, she came in and she got baptized too. But even though like all of us were in one immediate household, it still put a lot of strain on our family like dynamic. Cause you start to feel like, you know, like the church would put a lot of pressure on me of like, why my mom's not going. They'll call me like a bad daughter, like stuff like that. Like you're such a bad daughter. That's why your mom does not want to come. That's the way they'll slander you. Yeah. So the church <laughs> lies and they slander. Yeah. So they, they do anything to make you feel guilty so that you can fall into line with obeying everything. So it was like, and then with my little sister, my little sister would go all the time with me. Like she was a faithful, like she too was like, I'm a gospel worker. I'm going to do this. So with her, it was kind of like our relationship got burdened. Cause I feel like, you know, I can't confide in her because she would go to the leadership and, say something about me so I felt like there was a strain in the relationship like a distrust like I can't even trust my little sister yeah. you know because wow. she'll go report 
what happens in the household to the overseers. So is your little sister currently in there? Um, she's not currently in there because after I left, I was financially supporting both of us in the church. Like I was giving her money for offerings and contributions and stuff like that. So after I left, um, they told her that she should come back when she's 18 and stable and have a job, you know, because she's 17. So she was 17. But even now that, you know, I left like so abruptly like that. And then, you know, she was told to leave. We still don't really have a relationship much. Like it's a very, I try to reach out to my sister. I don't know if she really, she's younger, you know, more influenced. Yeah. She might, she might be thinking about going back. So and, I'm not sure where she yeah. stands with that, you know. That's a fear um, because as long as she's, um, I guess, away from people who can uh, be of help and uh, expose her to these types of things, um, she's going to be easily influenced, easily brought back into the church. And so like with COVID, um, it's been a great thing, right? In this sense where people can no longer go to church. And so because they can't go to church, you know, they're, they're going to get on their phones. You know what I'm saying? They're going to get on their phones. They're going to see what's going on. And then little by little, you know, they're, you know it's going to drain out. They, they're going to actually realize, wow, I've been, I've been bamboozled. I've been tricked. And, you know, I've, I've never been to a cult. So since I've never been to a cult, I don't really know. But I've been to, you know, multiple marketing systems. I know how cults work. I know the method. I know the function of it. And the number one thing that cults tend to do is they tend to take control of the way you think. They tend to really, um, they, 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 they control where you go and what you do and they influence who you should hang with and who you shouldn't hang with. And they always tend to throw a Bible verse attached to it right so bad company ruins good morals right so they'll say don't hang out with your bad friends it's like yeah but jesus hung out with the prostitutes i didn't see anyone quoting verses on him right so let's be like jesus right let's guard our eyes guard our hearts and come into a sincere approach to people and share with them the the love of christ and the gospel let's not judge people like cults tend to do that they judge they amplify and, and and they try to um build a pedestal um before we end before we end this um i wanted to see if there's anything else you wanted to share that we weren't able to cover um i mean there's too much to really like get out in in such a short interview but not let me ask you one last thing before we land this um what were your feelings when leaving um because People will listen to this and watch this and say, no, she was never a member. She was a false convert. Um, don't trust, don't trust, don't trust know me. She doesn't know what she's saying. I know her. Uh, what do you tell those members who, who know you or who don't know you, but they know that you left the church? What do you tell them? Like, how do you convince- Well, do I tell them for the reason of, that I left? Right. Well, well, do I tell them about the reason I left? I mean, I, I try not to, really influence those who are in there because I know that they're not going to believe me. So I try to like keep it, you know, watered down (laughs) when I talk to them so that I can at least have a small relationship with them to like slowly throw things in and like, so that I can be of help to like getting them out of there. Is is it so hard to talk with them with members because they're so quick to throw verses where they're not allowing themselves to actually understand what you're saying. They're just quick to respond but they're extremely slow when it comes to understanding. I mean, when you speak to past members, while you're a past member, they don't really like throw verses at you anymore. 
Because you saw everything and, and it still kept you from leaving. Right, but, so they they, don't really... but is there something in them that they always refer to as, um, you know, a passage in scripture? Like, for instance, let's say I was a member and you were a present member. And, um, you know, we both went through the same amount of years in the church. And then I come and I say, hey, know me, I'm no longer a member of the church. I think you should leave. Are you quickly to judge me in your mind and say, oh, yeah, he's not a sheep. Oh, yeah, he's just, yeah, I'm not hearing I had anything it. he's saying. I had it happen to me. There was actually a member that she reached out to me. Well, I reached out to her first and I tried to like block out what she was saying because I was like, wow, she's really demon possessed now. Wow. (laughs) So they do actually um, label you. They, wow. Yeah. I was, when she was saying, like, she would say like, you know, why would I follow a dead guy? And I'm like, is she calling An Sang Hong like our God, the dead guy? Like, (laughs) so I was like absurd. I was like, why is she saying those things? So I, I kind of labeled her as like, you know, oh my gosh, she's demon possessed. And she kind of blocked me after that. But luckily she blocked, she unblocked me. And then like the way I found channels is because she started to share it without telling me directly, but yeah. she shared it on her page. And then I went to it and I was like, oh, but that was yeah. after I left that I found it, that I went to it. All right. Last thing, because this just came to mind, right? Um, the World Mission Society Church of God, they do not celebrate birthdays, right? I mean, they say you shouldn't make a big deal out of your birthday, but they don't change. They don't tell you you can't celebrate your birthday. Like being a member there. Um, so I was there since I was 20 until I was 24 and I celebrated my 22nd birthday. Like, but it was after, you know, after the Sabbath day was over and I had a, like a family sleepover with my family, my physical family. Is that your church that teaches that? Or are you speaking for all the churches? Is that like a, a universal teaching of the church? Not all churches, they, the universally, they say you shouldn't make a big deal out of your birthday. Like they make everything like, you know, everything, your whole life is not about you anymore. It's about serving God. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason, but they never really said like, oh, you know, celebrating your birthday is pagan, you know, like the other, I mean, the other holidays. So the only reason why I ask is because there's a photo on Google of Ah Sung Hong celebrating his birthday. <laughs> which he, he should not be doing. <laughs> with Just his saying. Time, you know, yeah. And, and, and. And there's a, there's a photo of An Sang Hong, you know what I'm saying, chilling, laying back in the water in the beach. He's just chilling. And I'm like, yo, that's An Sang Hong right there. He's just chilling, celebrating his birthday. Yeah, and as a member, they tell you like, oh, he's been preaching so hard for 37 years straight without taking a break, without ever taking the bag off his shoulder. His shoulder's so bruised and heavy from the books. <laughs> oh, please, make it seem like he's, he's working harder than like an American soldier. Like, come on. This guy obviously is having enough time to chill and swim in the water and then have his birthday. And Lord knows how long his birthday was going. He probably had a, a good party. Plus, he had a, he had a suit on. So it, it almost seemed like he's probably dragged in there. Anyways, Nomi, thanks a lot for being here. Um, I really appreciate this. Uh, and I hope that other people who are listening to this would also be inspired and encouraged. And maybe they can also, you know, contact me and we could have conversations and they could Get their voice out. Um, someone can hear them and someone else can be um, set free from bondage from this, from the claws of, of the church of God. Um, yeah. So with that being said, um, man, with the grace uh, of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide um, all you guys. And with that, God bless guys. And we're done here.